0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. As we draw closer to the end of the offseason, we start with the teams of the NFC West. And up first are those desert-dwelling birds out in Arizona in the one and only Arizona Cardinals. Can the Cardinals get back on top of the West? or are they rebuilding? Jess Root from CardsWire.com joins us on the NFC West preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review! AFC East in the books, starting with the NFC West. We have to go out of order. I'm hating this, but I'll explain. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for part one of the NFC West preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. I know that I said, for those of you who follow me on Twitter and on on Facebook, I know I said Tracy Sandler from uh, the Fangirl Sports Network, the 49er Fangirl, was going to be here to help us preview the uh, 49ers. I had to take a rain check for a personal reason. Uh, wasn't able to reschedule with Tracy, so uh, I already had Jess Root uh, already set up for for Thursday night. So Arizona's up first. We got a new Forty Nine er guy this time uh, to help us talk about that. Uh, he'll be uh, we'll be talking to him over the weekend, so that episode will come out Sunday, maybe Monday. Uh, so we're going out of order instead of going from worst to first, we're going third, then fourth, then second, and first, and so on. We're, we're on track with the Rams and the uh, Seahawks. We got those guys all lined up, like I said before. So unfortunate that, um, you know, we got to go out of order and we weren't able to get Tracy back on. Hopefully we'll get her on in the, uh, in the regular season. Um, <laughs> the, the, I just realized the bears don't play the 49ers till week 16. So even if we did have Tracy on, uh, the show, it would be basically an entire six months before we talk again uh, because we don't play them until week 16. I mean, here we are in towards uh, closing in on the end of June and uh, we don't play them until like Christmas. So, I mean, it's damn near would be six months on the nose uh, before we ever before we talk to her again uh, at the sea and basically the season's over at that point. So um, we'll know everything we need to know uh, at that point. So but here we are nfc west digging in we got four of these then we get our nfc north brethren in there then we finish things off with our beloved chicago bears to wrap up this opponent preview section of the offseason and it's timing out that it basically we're going to be wrapping up that last show on the bears very soon before tra- i mean we we're start a week early this year because a we have a new coach and we're playing in that hall of fame game so the bears have two reasons uh to be able to start training camp uh, a week early uh they just announced today as a matter of fact that uh the reporting date for rookies will be on the 16th of july veterans come in on the 19th and they're kicking it in to high gear from there they play i believe august 3rd a thursday night game against the ravens to kick off the preseason with uh the hall of fame game so uh, looking forward to that. We're, you know, what six weeks from that right now? That's madness. That's so crazy. I'm so looking forward to that. So um just a couple of quick things I wanted to go over before we got to uh Jess and our talk about the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Cover a lot of ground uh with Jess talking about the Cardinals. We talked about, you know, basically the last few years uh leading up to uh 2017, Bruce Arians and and uh the last time that we talked to Jess. Uh, because as I you know as I mentioned uh, during the interview uh, Jess was the first person I had on the show when I started interviewing guests back during the 2015 season and 2015 was an awesome year uh, for the Cardinals made it all to the all the way to the NFC championship game and we talk about that and then the last couple of years the ending of the uh, Bruce Arians era and uh, the start of Steve Wilkes and the offseason and draft night and getting Rosen and so on and so forth cover a lot of stuff there Um, before we get to that Um, the last time we talked, they hadn't come out yet and they have come out now. And when you guys know what I'm talking about, those God awful orange jerseys, the new ones, quote unquote, new ones have emerged and, uh, they're just as awful as I remember them to be. Um, the Chicago pumpkins will, will take on the, uh, Vikings and dolphins, Wearing those abominations. Um, remember Kevin Nogel talking about the uh, the my, my my Dolphins guy talking about how the the Bears would be sweltering because they designed the stadium or or designed the roof or whatever in such a way that it's the 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 visiting field that's always under the sun. Everybody else is in the shade. Talking about how the Bears are going to be cooking in those dark jerseys. Well, not so dark. They're going to be wearing those horrible orange jerseys when they go down to Miami, and they'll be wearing them once at home. Uh, against the minnesota vikings and uh they are still going to wear the, the 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 throwback 40s jerseys but just once and i forget who they say they were going to do that against but um yeah two games with the orange jerseys um yeah they're they're still terrible um you know i, I used to to hunt uh, when my dad belonged to a, a lodge back in the day uh, the, the color that the bears are wearing are the colors that we used to cover ourselves in so as not to get shot by other hunters. Um, they're an eyesore. It's a 10 mile cloth as they call it. And, um, it doesn't look good. It just doesn't. And uh, one thing that I did find encouraging was Mike, um, McCaskey did mention that the NFL wanted the bears to go full blown orange head to toe, uh, for one of the color rush games and the bears refused instead of going with the almost as ugly, uh, Navy from top to bottom. There's something about that Navy top and bottom together. just didn't work for me. I n- just never really liked it. You know, I still think the bears have the sweetest uniform in football with the white tops and the Navy bottoms. That's actually my favorite uniform in the league. But, um, that orange one is an, an abomination. They just, uh, yeah, not looking forward to the to to either of those games, quite frankly, the errors, the the Card- uh, cardinals, Jesus, the uh, dolphins or the Vikings. Um, I'm gonna have to watch those games. You know, I'm gonna listen to them on the radio. I can't watch them. It's just gonna be too much to look at. They're terrible, terrible uniforms. Some of you guys out there really like that. Uh, I don't know if he was ribbing me or giving me a hard time, but uh, our our good friend uh, over in the UK, Malcolm Fell, decided that uh, the Bears need to top it off with the orange lid. They they, they come out with these alternative uh, helmets where basically they flip the color scheme whereas the primary color is now the secondary and the secondary is the primary well for the bears the primary color is navy and they had a orange helmet with the navy face mat it is awful just awful and he was i don't know if he was messing with me or not but uh that was his suggestion that the bears wear the orange lids to kind of flip Ugh. Uh, i just threw up in my mouth a little But um, anyway, so those came out last Friday on the 15th. They were actually, quote unquote, leaked on the 14th. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the
1: perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
1: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in.
0: Oh, Burger time.
1: So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
0: I could stay here forever.
1: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
0: ...which means I had to look at him a day earlier than I knew I was going to have to. And uh, that Trubisky, he's a handsome kid, but uh, he couldn't make those orange jerseys look good. He just couldn't. It's just not possible. Just not possible. Just awful. Just awful. Hate them. I just can't. Yeah. Uh, ugh. Anyway, one other interesting article that I did stumble across this week was Bleacher Report put out a column where it was uh, basically every team's biggest regret over the last decade. It was something that I posted on, uh, on Facebook uh, sharing my thoughts at the time. And with all the choices that the Bleacher Report had for the Bears in the last 10 years, um, hiring Mark Tressman, not hiring Bruce Arians, hiring Phil Emery, which I was in love with at the, uh, initially. You guys go back to 20 uh, 2012 before we, when we hired him back in 2012. I really loved what this guy had to say. Uh, I loved that he traded for Brandon Marshall and, and got us uh, Alshon in the draft and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the guy just was an absolute turd of a general manager. Um, They're saying that the biggest regret that the Bears have since 2008-2009 was trading for Jay Cutler. And I disagree 100% that that was their biggest regret. I think that's stupid. Um, You know, you could argue that firing Lovey after 2012 was probably a mistake, uh, especially since the way things have worked out since then. But definitely hiring Tressman, that would probably be my biggest regret there. Or, um, you know, or like I said, kind of pairing them together, hiring Tressman, not hiring Bruce Arians would probably be the biggest regret in the last 10 years. So dating back to the 2008 season, that would probably be the move that I would go with, not hiring uh, Bruce Arians. So, I mean, take your pick, firing uh, Lovey, not hiring uh, Arians or hiring Tressman. those three all go hand in hand. Uh, with each other, Uh, but I disagree that trading for Jay was the biggest regret, that's absolutely not true, I don't believe that at all, I, you know, an argument could be made that extending him before the 2013, or before 2014, would probably be a bigger mistake than actually trading for him, Um, I would agree with that, that, that would be, you know, I would say that would be a, a much bigger regret than, than trading for him in the first place, I mean, just looking at it from a a perspective for the Bears was, you know, so few of our first round picks were hits. And so like giving up first round picks to get a franchise quarterback, a guy that had the future that Jay had coming into the franchise, didn't seem like a bad trade to me uh, at all. We had always had more success with our later picks. You know, Peanut was a second rounder. Mike Brown was a second rounder. Olin Cruz was a third rounder. Uh, so on and so forth. We were always more successful with the guys that we got on day two and day three than we ever were with the guys we got with our top picks. Uh, Because so many times the Bears would make a choice in the first round, like, who the hell is that guy? And then, of course, he would have a career that was synonymous with who the hell is that, you know? So I don't regret giving up those picks. Uh, Sure, the Bears would love to have a first-round pick, especially since, like, both seasons we didn't pick until the third round. So, I mean, it definitely set us back... As far as building towards the towards the future, but going and getting Jay, I don't regret that at all. I felt it was necessary uh, at the time. Um, I would say, as I said a few minutes ago, that that extending his contract after the 2013 season or giving him that monster deal that we gave him that was a huge mistake. Um, you know, he missed a you know he missed a good chunk of 2013 in a year where mccown played as good if not better than he did uh in 2013 in relief of jay um you know didn't turn over the football the offense looked just as good if not better than it did when jay was at the was at the helm uh you know it was obvious that we weren't going to be able to hang on to josh mccown in free agency so jay was going to be our guy so i think it would have been a better move to to franchise him Go through the 2014 season with Jay as our quarterback, and then go forward uh, from there. You know, maybe be in the sweepstakes in 2015 for Mariota or Winston. You know, there was some rumors that the Bears were trying to trade up to get into a spot to do that. It would have been worth it at the time to go ahead and do that and go and get a Mariota or a, a Jameis Winston or something like that, as opposed to being saddled with Jay Cutler. He didn't even make it through half the seven-year contract that we signed him four, you know, he only got into like three years of, of a seven year deal. So, uh, extending him to that monster contract, you know, weighing him down or weighing the franchise down with that contract and being stuck to that guy. And also it was structured in a way where if he was on the roster in March of 2016, then all of 2017 was guaranteed for some reason. It just, it didn't make sense how that, how they structured that deal. It was such a bad it was it was a Jay Cutler friendly deal that's for sure uh the Bears just went ahead and signed him and I think that would be a much bigger regret uh than actually trading for Jay in the first place I don't I don't regret that move uh at all you know the Bears were kind of in a position where they were basically a quarterback away from being able to to take the next step uh but then of course you know Jay comes to town we don't have someone to throw football to until 2012 and and so on and so forth so it was uh you know it just it just didn't work out but trading for him was not the mistake extending him uh, going into 2014 that that was the mistake you should have franchised him 2014 was a dumpster fire of a year we could have moved on him and Tressman could have been out the door together and then we we go from there with whatever we're going to do you know sign a bridge quarterback draft another one so on and so forth um, you know i think that probably would have been a better way to go in hindsight as opposed to what the bears actually did so as far as biggest regrets i disagree with bleacher report trading for jay wasn't the mistake then him in 2014 signing him to that monster contract that was the mistake so should have franchised him in 2014 that year goes the way it goes jay's out the door after 2014 and we can rebuild new coach new gm you know build the franchise in your in your image kind of thing uh, as opposed to you know, being stuck with Jay for two years and then trying to figure it out last year in twenty seventeen. You know, everything happens for a reason, as they say. Um, but uh, if if you go back and fix something, I think that would be the that would be the mistake to undo. Um, if in relation to Jay Cutler, that is, that's what I would do is uh, not not give him a seven year one hundred twenty million dollar deal or whatever the hell it was at the time. Um, give him the franchise tag pay him that fat salary for one season see what happens and then go from there because you know to give him that massive contract when he basically missed half the season uh, with an injury I thought was foolish Um, you know it was a bold statement Um, you know I had mixed feelings about it I was happy that the Bears made a decision We're going with Jay because he played awesome when he was healthy but so did Josh McCown so was it a system thing or was it a quarterback thing and uh so on and so forth so uh anyway so that's what i would uh as far in relation to jay cutler i wouldn't have extended him in 2014 at a french at worst i would have franchised him and uh see what happens uh from there so anyway there you go with our uh with our news and notes we're going to step aside and kick off our nfc west preview with our good friend jess root coming full circle He was the first guest I had on the show. Now that I'm done and I've interviewed all 32 teams, we start over with Jess again, helping us preview the 2018 Arizona Cardinals. And to help us kick off the NFC West preview here, uh, we, we, we come full circle. And we, we once again uh, welcome back our very first guest here on the Chicago Bears Review. None other than Jess Root, formerly of Revenge of the Birds, now Cardswire. And is it C-Red? What What's the podcast? I'm sorry. Rise Up Sea red Rise Up Sea red Jess Root, welcome back to the show, my friend. I'm glad to be back. Thanks
1: for having me on again.
0: Not a problem, man. I was uh, looking forward to talking to you again, especially since when I, I saw you, you switched teams there as far as... Uh, you were SB Nation. Now you're USA Today. That's a that's an upgrade.
1: Well, uh, it was a it was a, I'll tell you it was it was a good business decision on my part. I okay. Mean, I mean, both are big networks, but it was a business decision on my part that was beneficial. So I'll I'll, I'll just say that.
0: Okay. <laughs> How long have you been doing the podcast?
1: Uh, the podcast I've been doing for almost five years now. Oh, okay. Um, it's- yeah, it was something I was doing over Revenge of the Birds. I called it Revenge of the Birds Radio at the time, and, and then when I made the switch, we had to, you know, obviously I couldn't keep calling Revenge of the Birds Radio because sure. I wasn't Revenge of the Birds anymore. So we, we changed the name to Rise Up Sea Red, taking a couple of things. It's kind of the two two things the Cardinals do socially are are, are Rise Up Red Sea, our fan base is called the Red Sea, and, and they also do the, the hashtag online, B Red Sea Red, so I kind of took from both so it's rise up from the rise up red c b red c red i take the c red put it together rise up c red so kind nice.
0: of stealing from both i like i like the logo too i'm a graphic design uh guy so i like the uh the logo i saw that online it just jumped out at me i was like what's this i'm like oh jess it's jess's show how about that <laughs> so yeah i like that whoever who who set that up for you you know,
1: I, I I got a graphic design guy, actually, oh, well, there the you guys go. Named Dan Trujillo on his pixel man, Dan on, on, on Twitter, but yeah, he does great work.
0: Yeah, it was, I really liked the logo a lot, actually. So it was very, that was very cool. Um, so anyway, you know, how have things been since, uh, since we last talked, it's been uh, three full, three years going into our fourth season now, since you and I had last uh, had a conversation. Uh, 2015 well, was a, 2015 was, was a big really year for you guys. Yeah.
1: It was a really good year. It yeah. was, uh, Matt, I mean, best season the Cardinals have ever had in history. Um, big, huge numbers. Unfortunately for the Bears, that there was there was a drubbing there. Carson Palmer had a career season, record-setting for. It was, you know, it's MVP candidate. Um, they they did it with a good running game, but they didn't have a dominant runner almost the whole year because started with Andre Ellington chris johnson came in, did well he got hurt and then david johnson the revelation that is david johnson kind mm-hmm. of broke out and then he had his seats 2016 season uh, unfortunately the the season ended on a very sour note losing badly to the panthers yeah that um, was
0: uh that was a big shock to me man because i thought all year long i was like you know i give credit where credit is due with carolina They're playing the games and they're winning them. But they had one of the softest schedules that I had seen in a long time. And you guys were just drubbing teams left and right out there. I was like, everyone's talking about Carolina being the team to beat in the NFC West. And I was shouting at the top of my lungs, it's Arizona. Arizona is the best team in the NFC West. Or in the NFC, I should say. In the NFC, I thought for sure that when Carolina ran into a real team, as I was calling Arizona. Because it's just... They didn't really play anybody in 2015. Then they run into you guys, and they ran through. I was I was really surprised that they ran through it the, the way that they did. I mean, they got off oh, to it, one of those fast starts. You guys just couldn't catch up.
1: Yeah, it, it was. They 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 got out quickly. The de- James Betcher, the, the defensive coordinator. He was. I mean, when they showed the the all or nothing, the first series that the, awesome. that the NFL did with all or nothing was it was awesome really show. great. But when they showed that, it was like james betcher was he had no answer like what is happening and and then it compounded because of a couple turnovers so I mean, it was like two dumb plays i mean patrick peterson uh, muffs the punts he's trying to make a play he's right. super short-handed and, and that turns into instead of a big return which is what is it going to be it turns into a turnover carson palmer moves down the field and there's a red zone pick and, and then after that all I mean, he went like Everyone said he went the fool. You never go the fool, Jake DeLome He went the fool, Jake DeLome (laughs) Uh, But it it was a case. The first couple one, uh, one was bad. Was a bad throw, and then the rest was just trying to do too much. He was trying to force things, trying to come back, and it just, it just got out of control. Uh, He, he had been. He hurt his finger late in the year. Tyron Matthew got hurt, and the defense just wasn't the same. But. It was it was a very disappointing end of the season, and and we hoped to build on that. And then 2016 comes around. David Johnson has this magical year, but special teams just was atrocious. It cost it. It cost the team. I mean, it finished seven, eight, and one, but it it cost them as many as five games. Uh, like, wow. you, 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 it, 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 they should have been. There were a couple of like I think three missed kicks. Like they make three kicks that they should have. And they win the division. So mm-hmm. they were a very good team that just
0: couldn't catch a break.
1: They couldn't catch a break. They started slowly. They they started the season. We were they were doing so well. They came in with a lot of hype. Losing to Jimmy Garoppolo in in week one and that missed field goal. Mm-hmm. It kind of set. They let the sails down. Then they lost it. They they finished one and three. They're losing to, to the Rams at home it, it kind of set them in one they let one and three, they never caught up to 500 again. And that was, they were behind the eight ball the entire year. And just that special teams messed up a bad punt, missed kicks, uh, letting, letting Cordero Patterson take an opening second half, kick off 104 yards for a touchdown. It was just, the offense was top 10. The defensive was top 10 and special teams was, I think, 31 or 32 wow. in the league. And, it, and that it was cost the,
0: the, the tie that you guys had. That was that game against Seattle yes. where basically nobody oh. wanted to win the game.
1: Oh, my gosh. We were, it was so lucky to get a tie out of that. Because yeah. um, <laughs> Chandler Catanzaro misses the kick in overtime. And they're like, oh, done. They're done. <laughs> and then Stephen Howe misses the kick at the end of overtime as well. I don't know. It was, it was terrible. It was the defense play. Played so well. They just played so well. And, and the injuries really was a problem the last two seasons. So between mm-hmm. injuries and special teams in 2016, and then 2017, they, they protected Carson Palmer because they protected Carson Palmer in the offseason. He was startling. He started slowly. He had, perhaps until he got hurt, until he broke his arm, 2017 might have been the best football. Now, believe it or not, it might have been the best that we've seen Carson Palmer play because even when you go back to 2015, you go to 2014, 2013, when he was playing the cards, he put up some big numbers. The knock on him, anytime he got pressure on him is that he started making bad decisions. Now the first couple of games, about the first game and a half of 2017, we saw that he didn't have the same arm strength. So he was like thrown outside the numbers was a little bit of an issue, but he got hit and like he hit so much. And he bounced back and he made plays after play after play and kept the Cardinals in the game. And all that protecting that they did in the offseason, so they make it through the season, what happens? He breaks his arm in London. It's Of all the stupid things. And, and injuries in 2017 were so like unlucky. And, and it came to any injury on the arm, it was bad news. It started in the Hall of Fame game. TJ Logan uh, looked like he was going to be a dynamic return, a fifth-round pick out of North Carolina. On uh, his second return... In the Hall of Fame game, he dislocates his wrist. He misses the entire season. David Johnson breaks his wrist in week one. Um, Aaron Brewer, their long snapper, he he hurt. He basically it was I can't remember if it was a wrist fracture. It was another wrist fracture type thing. They the worst worst luck with arms and wrists. Carson Palmer breaks his arm. Britton Golden, special teams, uh, back of the back of the roster receiver at the end of the year, he breaks his arm too. It's just it was just so bad how things happened. they lost they lost their starting quarterback they lost their starting they lost two starting running backs because adrian peterson finished the year uh injured they lose right. their right tackle they lose their left tackle they use they lose their left guard they lose marcus golden their top uh pass rusher from the previous year they lose tyvon branch the starting safety he was playing he wasn't going to be a pro bowler but he was playing at a pro bowl level um they just everyone got hurt, and and on top of that, Tyron Matthew, um, he never got back to form. He it, it, late last season it looked like he was getting close, but he was
0: he
1: he clearly had lost something since the second knee injury. And so all of that it, last year, the 2017 season, they finished eight and eight. I mean, which is amazing if you think about it. They had over half their games started by Drew Stanton and Blaine Gabbert, and they finished eight and eight. They had an atrocious offense. <laughs> their defense in terms of yards was great, but they gave up. They were they were bad at finishing, so they were, I think it was number seven in 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 total defense in terms of the stats of the yards, but they were down in the 20s in points allowed. Hmm. Uh, their special teams were better, but uh, Phil Dawson, who they signed to a two-year $6 million contract, he came in, and he was he mixed like a kick. For, he missed more kicks than he had the previous three years combined. Wow. I ended up finishing the year strongly, um, but it, it was nothing went right for the cardinals in 2017. and so which made it, it i mean Bruce Arians retires, Carson Palmer retires, and we thought that Larry Fisher was going to retire too.
0: but he can, he decides to to come back for at least one more at year. least one
1: more year, yeah. at least one more year. we'll see how things go. i there's he keeps that really close to the vest. Yeah, uh, with, the thing with Fitz is this year he has insight, like legitimately insight. He could, he could, he will pass Tio uh, for number two in yards. He, I think he only has like like three hundred eighty nine yards, and then he'll be number two all time. And what he even a couple years ago said, he, there was no way he was going to get, but I think with ninety two receptions, he will pass Tony Gonzalez for number two. And, and as crazy as I, that that seemed. He's had over 100 rece- receptions each of the last 3 years. 109, 104, no, 109, 107, 109 the last 2 years. So, uh, we'll see and, and and now he's got I mean last year's last year's quarterback situation was a mess. This year when we get to that, suddenly it went from no coach and no quarterback to having a a promising coach and a really good quarterback room.
0: So let's talk about that coach for a second, because going through the the offseason there at the very beginning, the coaching carousel begins to turn. Um, you know, the Bears get their hands on, on Matt Nagy, um, you know, and it just seemed like everyone started picking their spots and where they were going to go. And it just seemed like at the very end, the only team that didn't have a coach was, the Cardinals. Did you guys settle for Steve Wilkes? Was he somebody that was on the list from the beginning? Because it didn't really seem like it was a match uh, made in heaven uh, initially anyway.
1: Well, it was interesting. That we Let's take it back to 2013. Cardinals were the last guy to make a hire. They hired Bruce Arians. <laughs> worked out really well.
0: Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: Yes, that's a sore spot for very you. Very sore.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but well, so we, we speed that back up to 2018, and the Cardinals were patient. They didn't, they didn't want to rush and sign a guy who didn't want to be there. Now I thought all along, like the guy I wanted for for a lot of reason, Pat Shermer. I wanted Pat Shermer.
0: That's who because, we wanted, yeah.
1: And, and it, I thought it would have been a perfect match. And we ended up be, we ended up take getting we ended up signing Sam Bradford, who was the Pat Shermer quarterback, who. Sam Bradford has followed Shermer everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> except for now, except for the Giants. Um, so I thought Pat Shermer was probably the favorite then, but one thing that was made clear is they were looking for a particular particular guy. They weren't going to rush. They weren't going to panic. And while Steve Wilkes Steve Wilks really impressed the front office guys. Um, it, it he impressed them the first, but then they kind of let things settle. And, and but the one thing about Wilkes is he comes in and and he said some of the same things. So the Cardinals historically have had some, some fun press conferences when it comes to hiring coaches. We won't go all the way back to the '90s when they hired Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan and he and he so it comes off almost clownish. And he says, "You've got a winner in town." And he he basically destroyed the franchise. They hired Denny Green, and he brings in with this post or this chart showing his 600 winning percentage. Um, (laughs) And so we've had coaches come in with bravado. Uh, Bruce Arians as well comes in with bravado. Um, It was his first head coaching job and you know it comes like he's 60 and sexy and things like that and <laughs> he's it he was, he was incredibly entertaining to cover I bet Steve Wilkes comes in Steve Wilkes comes in and says the same type of, of confident of assertive maybe even cocky type of like he turns to the owners he turns to Mike Bidwill and, and Steve Kime and he turns in his introductory press conferences and he turns and I know you guys made the right decision. Uh, he has a it, it, so he has the bravado of Buddy Ryan. He reminds, me, if I had to think, he reminds me of what Ray Horton would be as a head coach. Mm. Without he's a little more polished. And so he's it, very confident, very charismatic, but it didn't come off as clownish. It, was, it wasn't a, it wasn't cartoonish. I guess is the word I used at the sure, time. Sure, So it, it came across as like, oh, he is confident. He has a plan. He basically throughout his coaching career, he's been overcoming the odds, and and he's had incredible success with everything that he's done. So he was a one year coordinator, but he was a two year assistant coach. Um, he's when he was a defensive backs coach for every team. Basically, he's taken that team and he's elevated that defense. Um, well, one of the com- uh, comments that was made it was when he was in San Diego, and I can't remember who the defensive coordinator was at the time, was talking about how, you know, they they, they went from one of the worst in the league to, I think, the number one defense. And and, and Wilkes told him, so how do you so – basically he turned around. So, well, once he got him on, he's basically kind of saying, well, I, wasn't that – I did that? <laughs> uh-huh. Again, another one of those very, very confident concepts. Without it coming off as cartoonish, mm-hmm. um, he has won over the locker room. He's very focused. He, I wouldn't call him. He's definitely a, a hard coach. He mm-hmm. has the, he, He's old school, so he's got them running wind sprints. He's got them running. Uh, they have to hustle. They have to run from place to place. They, they have a high-paced, uh, fast-paced practice. He is very much into details. Details, details, details. And he has the same expectations that Bruce Arians did. So Bruce Arians came in and said, hey, it's all about getting a ring. It's not about going to the Super Bowl. It's about winning the Super Bowl. And that bravado, and it, he had to convince his team, and it worked. He, Steve Wilkes comes and obviously, we're, we're, out, we're here to win championships, but we're not going to talk about winning championships. We're going to talk about winning the day. So if you take care of all the, the, the details now, that will lead to this. And so there's, there's no talk of, hey, we got to win the Super Bowl. No, get better today. It's, we've seen the differences in lots of coaches. Um, but he has everyone buying in. So the veterans are buying in. He's brought in. I mean, Mike McCoy, well-respected offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, he's coached basically every type of quarterback you can have. He's coached some of the best. He, I mean, he got success out of Tim Tebow. Um, he's done Peyton Manning. I mean, statistically, they're never dynamic offenses, but what he's known for is being incredibly flexible um, as opposed to where Bruce Arians, the, 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 rep, the reputation he had is, it was this is what we're going to do, you need to do it this way. McCoy has a system, but he's going to tailor it to the strengths of the team. I think Arians did that too to an extent, but he always talked about, hey, this is what we want to do, so it, it seemed, he seemed inflexible. Um We've got a first-time defensive coordinator, Al Holcomb. Um, he's he did great work, great work with the linebackers in Carolina. So um, the defense is changing from a three-four to a four-three. Um, there's a lot of talk of that here locally, how that's turning out. But no, going, I guess I've, I've kind of gone off the track. But in the end, no, it, this was not a sloppy second. This was not hiring the guy that was left. Yeah. They got the guy they they, they wanted. So they 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 interviewed a lot of guys. They had a lot of interviews. I think it was near. I think it was at least nine candidates they interviewed. Wow. And and Wilkes impressed them the most. They were just patient. They did decide they're going to take this process. They're going to pare it down. They're going to pare it down, and then they're going to make their hire. They were not worried about losing their candidate to somewhere else. And had had you know Pat Shermer been their favorite, I'm sure. That he would have been the guy that they, but ultimately it had to be a match for both sides. They had to want the coach, and the coach had to want the organization and that relationship with with Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell. So, um, I am very high on the Wilkes hire. Um, he's not nearly as entertaining as Bruce Arians. Um, and he doesn't seem to reveal as much. But Bruce Aarons also revealed a bunch of stuff that just was not true. So I, I don't know which way is better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But it, it, in terms of what, I think he will be a very good coach.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of sounding like, um, you know, uh, kind of initially the um, the feeling around, Bearland out here about Matt Nagy was uh who? You know, it's uh, like really this this is the guy that you want. I mean, Shermer's out there, McDaniel's is out there. You know, we're looking for somebody that's going to help groom this quarterback that we, you know, we went out and drafted number 2 overall last year and this is the this is the guy that you want to do it with, you know? And and then the press conference came and it was like okay, Okay, yeah, I think I, I get it because number one, he is the polar opposite of John Fox. He's He seems like he's going to be a bit more transparent with the media. He looked like he was enjoying himself up there when talking uh, to them. He didn't he didn't um, he you know he got a banter back and forth with them a rapport, if you will. And uh, you know, John Fox just seemed to loathe talking to the media, whereas Matt Nagy kind of accepts that this is part of the job, so I might as well try to enjoy it. And it's just exactly. over over time, you know, and it's only been, what, five, six months since he got hired, but over time the, the, the momentum is building. Like, people are excited about Matt Nagy now, whereas initially it's like, what, what the hell do we go, why do we get this guy? <laughs> because if you made a list of six candidates, Matt Nagy would have been six every time if he was on the list. You know, I also wanted Pat Shermer because of the work he did with Case Keenum and 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 Sam Bradford, uh, in Minnesota. Those guys were kind of you know Bradford was a number all over number one overall pick. He's had a good career, but he's never really lived up to what you're supposed to be when you're a number one pick. But he had productive years with Shermer in Minnesota. Case Keenum comes out of nowhere as almost like an MVP candidate with the way he played last year. So imagine what Shermer could do with a guy like Trubisky who is ultra talented but still kind of green as well because he only played 10 games in college before he started or 13 games in college before he got drafted so I mean this is a guy that still got a lot of football left to be played so that's why Shermer was up there and of course you know why wouldn't you be interested in McDaniels being a you know Tom Brady and and all that kind of stuff for all that time and it's like Matt Nagy just wasn't on the list, and then we did hire him, and it's like, really, this is the guy we're going with? We're not going to get Shermer? Like, all right, fine, we'll see what happens, I guess. Nothing you can do about it. But um, over time, it's really built up that, uh, you know, looks like we, we, we got the the right guy. So just a matter of seeing how it ends up happening between the lines, you know. So And,
1: and ultimately, it always ends up being what can you do with the talent? It, it, it almost always has to do with the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. If Trubisky develops, great. He's a great coach. Yeah. The Cardinals had Carson Palmer, and he played well. So it was great. If Bradford plays well, and then they got Josh Rosen now, which obviously we're going to talk about in, here in a second, Sure. then Wilkes will be great.
0: So as we move into the offseason in free agency, oh. Carson Palmer did retire. Not really a big surprise to anyone that he finally did because he's been kind of hovering around at the last couple of – years adrian peterson is sent on his way and then tyron matthew would not accept the pay cut so the cardinals end up letting him go how did that go over with the fan base
1: it was mixed they understood fans for the most part understood that um at the at the it wasn't just because they didn't have much in-cap savings this year because he takes about, I think it's a $9 million cap hit. Wow. But if they kept him on the roster, it guaranteed him $19 million over two years. So wow. this was every bit as much about next year as this year. And they just could not with, with one, with the, the defensive shift in philosophy, and two, his slip in play. I mean, he's he's not the same player he was. Um, I think it became very clear. And, and, and you're going to see in, in Houston – He's now playing only safety, and he will not be playing in this slot. <clears throat> and the, what he was due to be paid was just you couldn't pay him that much and be a safety. It, it, it's just the value isn't there. They offered him more money than he took in, in Houston. So they offered him to stay at $8 million. He, I think it's a seven million up to $7 million that he's going to get in Houston. So he actually took a pay cut, but... I, I think his role would have been different. He wouldn't have been as dynamic. And what we've seen is his play had dipped. So it's a it's a mixed bag. because he was so popular here, um, great story, dynamic playmaker. But the last two years, he's just been he's been a guy, and sure. and he was being paid like a superstar. Right. He was being paid like a super superstar, and he was just a guy out there. So it was an unfortunate reality that he had to go in. and. Fans are pretty – no one's still mad about it, especially with the news that he ended up taking less money than the Cardinals tried offered him to stay.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're – yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting. But um, in free agency, um, you seem to go heavy on offense. You sign uh, Sam Bradford, um, surprisingly, for $20 million. Uh, but it's a quarterback, so I guess that's not too crazy considering there's going to be guys making – Thirty mil. Well, Matt Ryan's going to make thirty million dollars a year going forward. But um, <laughs> yes. then you they signed... wanted Kirk Cousins. Yeah, they wanted Kirk
1: Cousins. They were in on that, but they really never were. They they wanted him, but what ended up happening is that Minnesota became the favorite. And when they had the money and they had the talent, there was no competing with Minnesota at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, Case Keenum. I don't know where they were at in Case Keenum. But I think they turned their sights to Bradford fairly quickly, and in terms of a bridge quarterback, that's the, that's the new term over the right. last couple. Of bridge quarterback, he's perfect, and the amount they're paying him, it's not crazy. It's not. It really isn't. They they have a lot of protection in there. It's going to be based on games that he's active. So if he's hurt, they got protection. Um, but you look at his actual year, I mean, he ranks right in the middle of quarterback salary. So it's not like they went out and overpaid him. Right. They're paying him right at the average of a decent starting quarterback.
0: Well, you sound like me about a year ago when we signed the other quarterback you guys signed and Mike Glennon when people were freaking out about three years, 45 million. We're going to pay this guy 15 million dollars. Like, <laughs> guys, Brad uh, or, you know, um, not Bradford, um, the, you know, Aaron Rodgers makes 22, 23 million right now um stafford that's who i wanted to say My, matt stafford is making twenty three, twenty four uh million at this point we got a quarterback for 15 man I mean, he's a quarterback yeah. so he's gonna make more than anybody else on the team that's just <laughs> he's gonna what's make an gonna gonna happen if they're gonna if so, he's, if he's gonna be the starter you gotta fact. pay him like one so
1: interesting fact had carson palmer retired a year ago glennon would have been the cardinal signing he has been on the radar for a while
0: that's what i heard uh, yeah
1: And Lennon, like you can tell, he had, I don't know how it wasn't tampering, but it sounded like they had this deal already. I mean, they were talking about him heading to Arizona before he was ever released. So I don't know how that wasn't tampering, (laughs) Um, but they got him. They got him. I mean, he knows his role. He knows his role. He is the backup. Uh, I think he has the potential to be their basically Steve Wilkes, um, Drew Stanton. Bradford will be gone a year. I know. That's that's a that's a dumb deal. He's going to be gone after one year. Um, but I think Glennon will stick around and might be their long term backup. Like Stanton was there for five years. I could see Glennon playing that role. Uh, he's kind of got the same pedigree. He's had a few starts. He's had some success, and about the same age, which is a guy that you like. He's smart. He knows he knows his role. He's comfortable with it. And so, as as much as people mock the Glennon signing from a year ago. I think he'll fit really well here.
0: Well, that was the thing with, with Glennon. I mean, it was the guy, I mean, he was um, he was going into a, a, a lose-lose situation, especially after the Bears drafted Trubisky, um, because there was always going to be this uproar about when we're going to see this kid play. We gave up draft capital to sign him uh, or to draft him and, and all the rest of that stuff. We Many feel like we overpaid to get Glennon in there, even though it was... You know, like he's probably in the bottom 10 of what starting quarterbacks make in the NFL uh, these <laughs> days. And, um, but it, this, he was my proof that, that, because when it came to us making that pick with Trubisky, the last thing in the world I wanted was for the Bears to draft a quarterback. Not because I didn't want any of the quarterbacks, but because we weren't ready for a quarterback yet. Because we didn't have, we didn't go out and spend money on receivers like we did in this. Off season. He was literally had no one out there to throw the ball to. We had a first round pick that can't seem to keep his way on the field. We had an undrafted free agent that overplayed his hand as far as, you know, he didn't play like an undrafted rookie free agent in 2016, led the team in catches and all that kind of stuff. And then it was a bunch of also rands that we just kind of, you know, kind of <laughs> gathered a bunch of guys up to fill up the the wide receiver room. I was like, this is not the team that you want to bring a young quarterback in. And then I was proven right by the fact that, number one, Glennon stunk the join up because he didn't have anyone to throw the football to. And then when Trubisky came in there, he, was, he played better than Glennon did. But still, the offense was severely hampered by the fact that people were playing short yarders defense and loading up the box because they knew we weren't going to throw the ball. So, I mean, Glennon, there was just no way for him to win. After we drafted Here, I- Trubisky, he was screwed.
1: I've got a little bit of this. I don't know if you, this is something you guys have talked about, Ralph, because the one thing that, that people talk about at length is how the Bears got screwed in that deal. I, I have a little bit of perspective of some information that I was given leading up to the draft as to – I know why Chicago, why the Bears had to give up if they did. That's because the, Jack, the Jaguars are going to trade up. The really? Jaguars want to trade up to number two. Um, I, was told, I was told before, so this is nothing I ever could publish or write about, but it's, it's been a year later. So I was told to get ready for the Cardinals to trade with the Jaguars for Blake Bortles a year ago. Wow. And, and so it, everything kind of lines up. They've always liked Bortles, the and they had their eyes. I, I thought it was going to be Deshaun Watson, honestly. I thought they were going to trade up for, for Watson. But when Chicago had to pay as much as they did just to move up one spot, it became very clear to me. They were not bidding against themselves. They were bidding against another team. Uh, And so I believe that team was the Jaguars who were trying to trade up. And so Chicago, knowing that they wanted Trubisky, they had to pay for what they did. It's because the Jaguars are going to move up, and then they're going to trade Bortles to the Cardinals. Instead, we got Blaine (laughs) Gabbert.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so there, there's a little tidbit of, of, of some sort of insider information that never really came to the surface.
0: Well, I mean, that's uh, that's uh, that makes me feel a little bit better a uh, year after the fact, uh, because that was the rumor that came out was Peter King sitting in the war room with the 49ers while that was all happening on draft day, basically came out and said the Bears did bid against themselves. And, you know, they were basically just saying or the like the 49ers maybe led them to believe that there was another team involved, but it never came out. So that's this is literally the first time that I'm hearing there actually was another team trying to get up to number two.
1: It's it's the case where it had to have been based on what I had heard. Sure. And based on what happened, it says, okay, well, that's what happened.
0: Right. And that's what logic would tell you. But then Peter King, one of the most respected football journalists in the world comes out and says, dude, the Bears were just bidding against themselves. They were they were raising the asking price on their own, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of disheartening to, to to hear that.
1: One pick? Well, why yeah. would you do that to move up one pick? So it doesn't make any sense at all.
0: Right, right. So, um, you know, that's that's what kind of made me hate the pick even more, was that this is a guy that was all about building the team through the draft, gave up three draft picks and, to make that move. <laughs> you know, you're killing me here, man. You're killing me. So, But uh, anyway, moving on in free agency – uh, you pick up a couple offensive linemen, Andre Smith and Justin Pugh, even add a back to the backfield in, in Derek Coleman. Uh, anybody else in the free agent crop that you like that, uh, that I'm missing right now?
1: Well, basically what the Cardinals have done is because they didn't have, they didn't have much room in, in terms of cap. So they have put together a, an impressive if they stay healthy group. Okay. Just, just, <laughs> Justin Pugh missed half the season last year. Andre Smith has missed some games. They're talented. They're very good when they play. Right. Um, and so you kind of look at, well, there's there's promise there. Uh, they picked up Bryce Butler uh, at receiver later on. Um, they traded for Jamar Taylor. They sent. They signed Benson Maioa, well, who was on the Cowboys. He'd been released. Um, and uh, and and so yeah, it, it's. They've, they've put together an impressive if they stay healthy. And that's kind of the, the if they're healthy, because the offensive line should be better. And, and it appears that what they've done is tried to put together a, a, what is it could be a dominant run blocking line.
0: Hmm.
1: And but they've got to stay healthy. And that, that starts with Bradford. <laughs> right. It starts with Bradford uh, for that to work now going into free agency uh, picking number 15 in the draft so there was no idea we, we didn't know how the draft's going to play out how they were going to get a quarterback um, and so free agency they came away with with some okay pieces not, nothing really anyone was excited about then that free agency did not excite anyone because right. they didn't pick up a they didn't pick up a, a number 2 cornerback initially so they didn't go out and get a starting cornerback they didn't go get a number 2 receiver Bryce Butler he hasn't had more than 400 yards in a season since high school. Because uh, <laughs> he, he he underwhelmed in college. He's under he underwhelmed in Dallas, and maybe it was a cross-up of situation. But it, it, he is the the talk is he's gonna be the number two receiver. But I'm like he hasn't had 400 yards since high school. Wow. So, but they drafted Christian Kirk, and we'll talk about the draft in a second. So. But there were big questions. I mean they, they they spent big on Justin Pugh, they got Andre Smith on the beast. they spent big on Sam Brad because you have to. Right. And those are the big pieces of free agency. Um, and then with David Johnson coming back, they, they pick up then they then they pick up a, a couple of guys. They, they they have a handful of former Panthers that they brought in. They're they depth guys who could compete at some level, but you know, as as you get new coaches, you always bring in their guys and so they've got some system guys that they brought in as well at the wickery um cornerback lou young cornerback jeremy cash linebacker special teams um not impressive not overly impressive but they but they made their splash at quarterback they made their splash at, at guard
0: sure so let's move on to draft night then because um it was probably one of the more highly anticipated draft nights in in a while uh, because of this quarterback class, five could go in the first ten picks and the way that people are talking and, and expecting just this carousel of trades, one after another, people moving up uh, to get in there. Of course, the Cardinals were always part of that discussion, but drafting at 15, the question was what will the Cardinals have to ante up to be able to get in position to draft one of these quarterbacks? And which one did they like? And you know which one are they going to go for? Are they going to settle for one of these guys because they need a quarterback? You know they have Bradford, who's basically a paper doll, and you know <laughs> you know Palmer is uh, is you know has retired, and Mike Glennon didn't really surprise, didn't really you know impress anyone in his four games starting for the Bears. So it just seemed like you know quarterback has to be what they're doing, and um you know so draft night comes, we don't get our first trade until the seventh pick in the draft and then finally things start to move along, then we get to ten and the Cardinals were able to move up to get to that spot and, and take the quarterback, but everyone was wondering is it going to be Rosen or is it going to be Lamar Jackson, which were the guys that were left at that point?
1: Well here's the here the, really the draft turned at Cleveland in number four. Because right. you're right I, it did I, I,
0: it absolutely it
1: did. because that changed Denver. When they, when the Browns took, when the, when the Browns took, oh, jeez, I forgot his name.
0: the Denzel Ward.
1: Denzel Ward. <laughs> they took Ward over Bradley Chubb. That's when everything changed because it seemed that Denver was, you know, they might trade out. Uh, they might take a quarterback.
0: Yeah, they had a deal uh, in if, place with somebody at number five until Cleveland passed yeah, on Bradley with, Chubb. It was Buffalo. But you're right. It was Buffalo.
1: And, and so... They take Chubb, and that leaves two quarterbacks on the board with only one team that was that would get a quarterback, and that's Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Um, They move up to get Josh Allen. There's some report out there that the Cardinals were devastated that they got that they lost out on Josh Allen. I know that they liked Josh Allen, but I don't know how much. I don't know. I don't think they had any deal in place with Denver. I know they talked to Denver. But Buffalo always had that. They were never competing with Buffalo. So Buffalo gets Josh Allen. Boom, boom, boom. Number 10. Rosen's still on the board. And they pull the trigger because you have to at that point. Sure. And the best part of that, they didn't give up a future number one. They gave up their one, their three, their five. They didn't give up a future one, which, by the way, if you haven't paid attention to the offseason, Cardinals are expected to be terrible this year. (laughs) The national expectation is that they're going to be terrible. And – that was a very important for them. They wanted to keep their second-round pick this year, and they didn't want to get a, give up a future one. So they didn't, and, because, well, especially since the, their pick was coveted because the expectation is it's going to be a top-five pick the, the upcoming year. So they only give up a three and a five, and, and they're one. They get Rosen, who, you know, of course here, he's talking about them that he might compete and start, you know, that's the talk that he's competing with Sam Bradford for the starting job. That competition is real. But I'm going to compare it to last year. If it, nationally, by I didn't get any attention, sure, But that here locally, when the Cardinals signed Blaine Gabbard, there was the talk that he could be their backup quarterback and, and replace Drew Stanton. That, while he was there to compete, it would have taken something extraordinary for him to replace Stanton. That's right. the case with Rosen. Rosen has a great future. But Bradford has the locker room. He has the respect. He's looked good. So it's going to take something absolutely extraordinary for Rosen to win that job, unless paper doll Sam (laughs) does his thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, the funny thing was, you know, he played in my division for the last few seasons, and... You know, it it was uh, amazing in 2016 when the Vikings had one of the worst offensive lines in recent memory. Uh, Bradford's getting hit left and right, but he played all 16 games. And then mm-hmm. they go out and they do everything they can to improve the offensive line, and Bradford doesn't make it past week two. <laughs> you know, and then yeah. it's the Case Keenum show for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the season. So even when Bradford was healthy again. They just let him just let him ride, dude. You know, Case Keenum's the man right now, and uh, you know he's the hot hand. We're winning a lot of football games, and like you said, he has the locker room right now. So we got to stick with him, even though our starter's ready to go back in. So um, you know, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how it fo- unfolds there. You know, can Bradford stay healthy? He does not have a reputation for doing so. Um, he can play when he is on the field. And also, you know, how well is Rosen going to play in the preseason? Is he going to be able to kind of do what Trubisky did last year, which he outplayed um, Glennon at every turn last year to where the point where it was like it didn't take, like he played Glennon, I'm speaking of, played well week one against the Falcons, was horrible against Tampa Bay. At that point, the people that were pro Trubisky were screaming for Trubisky to be put in there. He helps us win against Pittsburgh, barely, and then craps the bed on Thursday night against the Packers, and that was the end of it. The the following (laughs) game was the Monday-nighter against uh, Minnesota, and that's where Trubisky made his debut. It was his team ever since. Um, So, I mean, if, you know, maybe something could happen that way where Bradford looks good now, and this is the same stuff we were hearing about Glennon a year ago. Um, He has the locker room. The guys like him. He's, you know, he's a leader. He was uh, elected captain going into the into the season, so it was Glennon's team, just like even Glennon said, that's what Ryan Pace, our general manager was saying, this is what's going to happen and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait the rookie is actually way better than this guy, or at least he's way better for the for the team that we have right now so how long are we going to be able to keep this up and then Glennon forced their hand and had to put Trubisky in there maybe that's something that could happen with Bradford. It could happen it
1: could happen, Um but there is a difference, Bradford's Bradford, you know, he's got a track record of being really good. I mean, yep. Steve Kime has done nothing but talk about great things for Bradford. He says, you know, if if he's if his evaluation of Bradford is right, we're looking at a potential comeback of the comeback player of the year. He's a guy who, he's he. If there's one thing that you know about him, he's not going to lose games for you. He is extremely good at taking care of the football. He his career interception percentage is roughly what Carson Palmer's was in his career year. So he doesn't turn the ball over, um, and he's playing for some, you know, okay talent teams where we're going to exclude the one 1-15 in year that the Rams had. Mm-hmm. But historically, he leads pretty average teams. And, and I see the Cardinals this year as – a team that, that's not going to be terrible, but I don't think they're going to be great. So I see them, if, if everything goes right, I think they have a ceiling of about 10 wins. I think they can compete in the division, but more than anything, I think they're going to compete for a wild card down to the wire. If they're going to be, I think they're between a 6 and a 10 win team this year. Best case, worst case. So they're not going to be awful, and I don't think they're going to be great. And, and, and in terms of what we have in the NFC West, the Rams clearly are the class of the division on paper. Uh, I I see the Rams at the top, probably 11, 12 wins. And then the rest of the division, somewhere between seven and nine wins.
0: Right. And it's that's the the thing that I haven't quite had a chance to talk about just yet is that what a wild card the NFC West actually could be this year. You know, I mean, it's people have had low expectations for teams in the NFC West. The Rams a year ago, they end up coming out of nowhere to win the division. And everything because golf wasn't very good as rookie year. The offense was horrible. The Rams go out and make a few moves and hire this this you know the hot young coach candidate, and it all works out fantastically. Um and then you know the Seahawks kind of have an off-year, they don't make the playoffs for the first time and God knows how long. The Cardinals um, you know, kind of fade towards the end of the season and you know, kind of fall off as well. And then the 49ers play to expectations for most of the year then put Garoppolo in there, and they win five straight, including beating two playoff teams uh, in that stretch. So it's just like coming into this year, what are the 49ers going to do? Are they going to pick up where they left off last year with Garoppolo? Can the Cardinals bounce back with a new coach and and three brand-new quarterbacks on the team? Uh, Can the Rams duplicate what they did a year ago? And can the Seahawks be who they have been and reclaim the division? There's a lot of question marks in the division this year
1: there are there are actually there's there's lots of questions Uh, I myself am not I I don't think San Francisco is going to be as good as I say because Jimmy Garoppolo he was effective but he wasn't great Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing that would also Garoppolo he's not particularly durable either so I I, I don't see them as being great I see them as being better I, I, I think they're a solid team I will never count out the Seahawks because right. they do have the best quarterback in the division, and Russell Wilson, he is phenomenal. They still they they're losing pieces on defense, so the, the defense. I mean, outside of the Rams, the rest of the division is a question, right. and which leads to beep. you might not get, you might not get a wild card out of this division depending on how things play out.
0: That's true, that's true. I mean, and and it, the other thing with the Rams that that's fighting with them, or at least in in recent. <sighs> memory is is history itself recent recent history does not show the rams being that solid consistent winner year in year out it's like they play well this year and they kind of fade in in year number two and that, that's where the you know can they pull it off again you know can they strike while the iron is is hot can can golf continue what he did last season and you know and all that kind of stuff or does the nfl have the book on the rams and then we'll find out in the regular season that uh, the rest of the league has got them clocked right now
1: well, Andamakin Sue, Aaron Donald, uh, Akib Tali, I mean
0: Yeah, oh I mean my gosh. the additions they They're made. Ridiculous. It's They're it ridiculous. is it is ridiculous. I mean, they on paper they look damn near unbeatable. You know, it's just a matter of can it all come together? We've seen these super teams fail before. Yeah. I mean, famously in twenty eleven, the Eagles went ahead and signed a team that was supposed to win the Super Bowl with in a laughing stock and they didn't even make playoffs <laughs> that did, year. Did you know, they were supposed to be that super team that, you know, they went out they got Mike Vick and they signed in uh Nandi <laughs> Nandia- you know, yes. and all the rest of that. None of that worked out. None of it worked out and the Eagles were terrible uh in twenty eleven. So we've seen them we've seen teams try to put these super teams together before and it hasn't worked out. So will those you know, those top level name additions you know, will it? Will they have the chemistry to be a top-level defense? Because, like you said, they are frightening on paper right now. And with Wade Phillips leading the charge, the guy's a genius on the defensive side of the ball. You know, will it be all all come together, or will it just be too many cooks in the kitchen as far as you know how many guys they have on that on the football team now?
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, I I I like how things are going to play out. This is going to be a fun year.
0: I agree. Um, yeah. I'm
1: not. I am not down on the Cardinals. I mean, it's the expectations that it's just laughable that Vegas has them as the same win-loss as the Browns. The ESPN's, I think their they're RPI or whatever it is they do, had them as the, the having the lowest playoff chances. And then Madden, you know, they are the second lowest-rated uh, team. In the video game right now. So, is that right? Yeah, yes. Team rating of 73.
0: Well, the Bears only got well, a 75, so, I mean.
1: It's, it's not right. But <clears throat> despite despite being an 8-and-8 eight eight team, there's just a lot of question marks. So they got Sam Bradford. Is he going to be healthy? Um, they've got a they, – they lost – they have a new defensive system. They have a first-time head coach. So, I mean, there's not a lot of – there's not a lot in terms of trust or, or belief Sure. And the Cardinals. It, it. This feels a lot like 2013. It is, um, kind of in the same type of thing. No one expected the Cardinals to do anything in 2013. They win 10 games and almost make the playoffs. And make if they make the playoffs. They're probably the scariest team in the NFC
0: that yeah. year. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so real quick, um, the rest of your draft choices. Christian Kirk. That was a guy that I was, that I kind of low key wanted the Bears to get their hands on just to get another. Uh, Receiver in there with with Gabriel and and Allen Robinson. Um, You got him in the second round. You add Mason Cole uh, from Michigan, the center, in the third round. Is he going to be a starter for you guys?
1: I don't think so. Um, A.Q. Shipley has been their most consistent lineman. Oh, that's
0: right. Okay.
1: And and at guard, they've got Mike Upon Now, Upot has been hurt. Upot has has an injury history, so he might play at guard. But... um, yeah, I think he'll compete. I don't expect him to. Uh, I think injury is the case. He could start. He's smart enough. He and you know he's hasn't missed a game since ever. <laughs> so um, he was a four-year start at Michigan, that sort of thing. So I don't think he will win the job because Aq Shipley won. He's much better than people give him credit to be, and he's been the best, most consistent lineman the Cardinals have had the last two years.
0: Sure. Sure, and then your, your last three picks, you got a running back, Chase Edmonds out of Fordham in the fourth round, then Christian Campbell, a corner out of Penn State, and an offensive lineman, Corey Cunningham, in the seventh. Do you see any of those guys uh, playing a role for you?
1: Uh, Chase Edmonds will probably be the backup running back uh, to David Johnson. We'll get the bulk of the carries outside of Johnson. Chris Campbell... Um, Oh, I don't see him playing this year. And Corey Cunningham, we'll have to see if he makes the rosters. There's a lot of upside. He's he's kind of the perfect Ray Brown, Ray Brown, the offensive line coach, kind of the perfect Ray Brown guy to to groom and develop. Super athletic. What is it? 6'5", 310 pounds, ran the 40 in under five seconds, 36-inch vert. Didn't give up a sack last year in, in his last season at Cincinnati, but he's raw, and, and he's got a lot of learning to do. But there's potential there. But uh, he's a uh, he's more of a something down, you know, two three two three years down the line probably, and hopefully he can make the roster. Otherwise, otherwise, kind of hope he can stay on the practice squad.
0: Sure, sure. So we look ahead to to 2018. You got all these these new additions. You got a new coaching staff, and you know what you else? You know, brand new quarterbacks and uh, everything under the sun. Um, so you got this schedule ahead of you. You start off at home against the Redskins. They got a lot of division games in the top half of the schedule. That's the one thing I was noticing because the pattern that I've seen, um, I've done six of these previews so far, the, our same place opponents and the AFC East, and what I've been seeing is that a lot of division games in the bottom half of the schedule, whereas the uh, the Cardinals have four of the six in the first eight weeks. You You, you have the Rams week two. Seattle and San Francisco week 4 and 5 and then you have San Francisco again week 8 before the bye you know do you do you like that seeing all those division games up front or would you rather see them later on in the year
1: well they also close let me see i'm pretty sure they close uh, two of the final three are division games i think the last
0: two up. the ram home for the rams at seattle for the I think so, yeah, at least so the second last year in a row.
1: Two games, so, so. That, that you've got that both ways. So it's early and late. I kind of like it because you have the potential of a, of a Cardinals team that no one really knows. So you could sneak a win in there early in the year. Um, and then late in the year you like to have them because ideally you're playing your best football. I like the schedule, how it's set up. Um, it's not an easy schedule by, by, by any means. Um, but uh, I, I like the fact they open at home. I like... And they always are going to finish the season on the road, always, um, because of the festival So they have to they have to give. That's just oh, how that ends up okay. having to be. Yeah. Because we host the festival at the University of seattle They'll always be on the road in their last game of the year, and so they're always going to be in San Francisco or Los Angeles or, or Seattle, because that's just how that plays out.
0: Sure, sure. So I mean, you you start with three out of four at home uh, this year. You got the Redskins to start, and then you're on the road at, at the at the Rams. Home for the Bears, Week Three, so that's when we'll be talking again. And then home for Seattle, and then you got back-to-back road games at San Francisco, at Minnesota, and then home for Thursday Night Football with the Broncos before finishing out the first half of the schedule. Home with San Francisco, so back-to-back road game, or excuse me, home games to finish the top, the top half before that dead center in the middle of the season, Week Nine bye week for the Cardinals this year.
1: I I do like the the middle of the. Middle of the season by, I always wish, I always wish that it never works out that way. That after they have their their mini bye with their with their Thursday night game, mm-hmm. they always end up playing San Francisco. And uh, even though they're supposed to be better, I always want to play Seattle. That's the, that's the week I want to play Seattle because that day they they get the extra rest, um, especially since the Cardinals haven't beaten Seattle at home. Since Russell Wilson's rookie year. That hasn't um. happened since his rookie year. They had the tie, but it's been a case where they, they beat Seattle in Seattle. They've only lost once. Uh, they've only lost once to Russell Wilson in Seattle, and that was 2014 when it was Drew Stanton at quarterback. And, but they can't win. The last time that they won, they beat the Seahawks at home, was 2012 in week one. It was Russell Wilson's debut.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So then we look at the second half of the year. Three out of four to start the second half at Kansas City, home for the Raiders, at the Chargers, and then at Green Bay to kick off December. That should be fun. And then, oh, the Green
1: Bay, the, the Lambo game. Yeah. that's gonna be that, that's gonna be scary. Yeah, <laughs> if
0: if if Wisconsin is in its full Wisconsinness in December, that game is not going to be a lot of fun for you desert dwellers out there. So, and then the last four games, home for Detroit at Atlanta, and then the two division games, home for the Rams at the Seahawks to, to finish it out. So, I mean, it's, it's a good-looking schedule, and I'm envious of the four games in the division at the top half uh, of the schedule because the Bears, um, the schedule isn't quite as daunting as it was maybe a year ago, but it just seems like there's a lot of important football being played against teams that are going to have stakes at the end uh, of the season we're playing the rams in december uh we're you know we're playing you know four of our four of our five four of our six division games in the bottom half uh, of the schedule it just seems like there's going to be a lot at stake uh at the end of the year and will this team be able to to answer the call while they're still basically it's it's a lot of new moving parts on the bears this year and will they be able to handle it you guys on the other hand you know, your division games uh, come at, you know, you only have two at the very end. You got a six-week stretch there after the bye week of non-division uh, football and then go in with the Rams and the Seahawks to finish things off.
1: And what I like about the schedule is, well, here's how it plays out. If the Cardinals are a bad team, it's going to look awful and they're probably going to fall apart. But if the Cardinals are competitive, um, it gives them an opportunity to be playoff ready. Uh, I like playing solid teams at the end of the season, so that if they are in playoff contention and they do make the postseason, there's no set, there's no letdown afterwards because they haven't been they've been resting or they haven't been playing top of top opponents.
0: Mm-hmm. So you see, you know the the bubble is six to ten. If you had to pick a number, where would you would you sit in the middle at eight or what do you think they're capable of this year?
1: Um, my my early prediction is, is seven and nine is where I have them. That's that's just looking at how things look right
0: now. Sure. And that's if that's, you know, obviously before training camp and the preseason seeing what they actually look like on the field uh together, you know, what Steve Wilkes is able to, you know, put on the on the field uh for the fans uh and everything. So it's um that's that's where you're feeling at right now. Yeah. And things have been looking good in, in the minicamps and th- I mean everybody's always raving about the team in minicamps and things Everyone's like that. Great. But yeah.
1: Everyone's progressing. everyone's in their best shape. Everyone's <laughs> going to have a breakout year. That's that's kind of the thing.
0: Yeah, and everyone's absorbing the new system. It, it's all yep. going in just what just fine. It's you know, it's always a productive session. Nobody has a bad day, you know. So it's all very misleading when when they talk about OTAs and mini camps.
1: Yeah, the narrative that. the, merit of the, the the narrative is Sam Bradford looks good. They have a plan for him in the offseason. Rosen looks good. He's very smart. He's learning everything. The defense is making progress. There's great competition at receiver. When David Johnson was, was in camp, when he was in mini camp, then, you know, he looked great. That yeah. <laughs> everything is playing out the way a new team, uh, a team with a new coaching staff, wants.
0: So speaking of David Johnson, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Um... What is the word on how that's going? I mean, are they even talking at this point? I mean, we're less than a month out from, from training camp and, uh, and everything. You know, do, you, do you know where they are in their negotiations right now? Like, what's the word on the street?
1: I don't, no one knows exactly where they're at. We know that there have been talks, and, and I suspect that, that it's those initial talks that the Cardinals came to the table with the number that probably set off the, the holdout. Um, I don't expect this to be. I mean, the Cardinals have been great about extending their contracts to players. I would expect a deal to be done in the first week of training camp, which is where. That's when they announced Tyron Matthews. That's when they answered Patrick Petersons. When they extended Larry Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer, that's when it happened. Um, so I don't know if they're talking right now because I think they're, the front office guys right now are on summer break. Um, but I'm not too worried. And David Johnson kind of has an expiration date on his holdout because if he doesn't report by August 7th, he will lose an accrued year, which means if they don't come to an agreement on a contract, that means he'll only be a restricted free agent rather than an unrestricted free agent.
0: Wow. So the uh, so the Cardinals have a bullet in their chamber then as far as that they goes.
1: Do. So. They do. I don't think they want to use that one. I, I think it's a no-brainer. You, you pay him... You you can, they can set the market at running back. See, uh, I think four years forty five million, four years forty eight million. They've got Rosen on the cheap for the next three years. So Pam, He's their most important offensive player. He's great. He's not just a running back. He's a dynamic receiver. It's a no brainer to me.
0: Sure, absolutely. I mean, and I agree with you. It's just that the the market, as far as the NFL is concerned, is is not kind to to running backs these days. I mean, we, you know, we came up in a time where the running back was the foundation. Of the football team, and if you could pass the ball, that's great. But if you can't run, you're not going to win. And now in the NFL, being such a pass ha- pass happy league, I mean, people are, are you know they're going to the to stretch offenses, and you know quarterbacks are in the shotgun more than they're under the center and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, the same problem with with Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh is that he wants what what would now be called wide receiver money. When in the NFL, I mean, the Bears are are, are proven. That our top two running backs are a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick, why am I going to pay this guy twelve million dollars a year when I can find a you know find this gem in the fourth round that I only have to pay four hundred grand?
1: <laughs> and I, th- I think they reset the market though because they are special because the the running backs now coming out have the dual threat. Uh, and David Johnson, you know that's the thing with David Johnson. I think that it, you know the age thirty is kind of the thing. He wins it at wide receiver routes he can become a wide receiver afterwards. So if, if his running production dips, age 31, turn him into receiver, production's still there.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's definitely that works in Le'Veon Bell's favor and in David Johnson's favor is that they are threats out of the backfield. They're just not lower your head and run forward uh, running backs. So they definitely, they're going to deserve the money that they get. But I think the reluctance with the teams is because you know, you can find a Jordan Howard in the draft, and you only have to pay him like 1% of what David Johnson's going to be asking for, uh, yeah. and things like that. I mean, guys like Bill Belichick are the ones that we have to blame uh, for the current plight of, of running backs as far as getting paid these days, just because he's had this endless carousel of running backs coming in and out uh, of his football teams that have just, you know, been productive and done what they need him. And we get rid of that guy, and we bring in the next one, and he does the same stuff as the one. Uh, before him, and, and so on and so forth. So why am I going to pay one running back ten million a year when I can pay you know six million for five running backs?
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So um, so Jess, um, thanks so much uh, for coming in and, and uh, for for being uh, you know for, we went full circle, man. You're my first guest on the show, and now here we are. We're we're, we're back after I've finished my 32 teams with the AFC East. I've finally spoken to everybody, so we start back over with the Cardinals, and we bring you in, and, uh, you know, real happy to have you back.
1: All right, thanks for having me on.
0: So uh, we're, before I let you go, where can we where can we find you? Where can we find the podcast, and uh, where can we find you online?
1: Well, the, the podcast, you can find on pretty much any podcast thing. It's called Rise Up Sea Red, and the website is, of course, cardswire.com.
0: Awesome. And uh, once again, Jess, uh, we look forward to having you back week three. When the Bears and Cardinals butt heads in the desert this time around, and uh, all right, we'll we'll see you then. All right, all right. Thanks, thanks. We'll just Jess Root, helping us with the preview the Arizona Cardinals. For anybody who wants to know what the hell Jess was doing while we were talking, I mean, it sounded like a guy was building an addition onto his house or something like that. He was making dinner. Uh, The guy is a father of four and all that kind of stuff. He was making dinner for him and the kids um, multitasking, you know, got to do it. So, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. We, we had a great conversation, covered a lot of ground talking about the uh, Cardinals looking forward to having him back on to preview uh, week three, when the Bears and the Cardinals meet up in Arizona. So uh, that should be a good time. Um, so there you have it. Uh, there we are. We've kicked off the NFC West. We are that much closer to returning to our good friends in the NFC North than wrapping things up with our beloved Chicago Bears and, and closing on the book of these, uh, of these episodes, man. This is seven. We're halfway through now. We got seven left. We got three more NFC West. 3 NFC North and then our beloved Chicago Bears and then we get ready for training camp the the preseason the regular season then the fall weather will be here because the summer weather has been a schizophrenic bitch so far this I mean just this week alone on Monday it was 94 degrees outside Tuesday it was in the mid 80s it's been raining the last couple of days the high temperature today was 71 And then after it gets done raining for the next couple of days, it's going back up into the 80s, uh, upper 80s and lower 90s uh, again. I know it's June and that's what happens today being the 21st of June, the first official day of summer uh, and so on. So, you know, it's of course it's hot during the summer, uh, dickhead. That's what happens. But it's just... You know, for it to go from unbearable to bearable to awesome in the 70s, but we got rain, then the temperature's going back up to the unbearable and the humidity kicks back in, and that's when you find me trapped indoors because I'm not going outside when it's like that. I just can't do it. So humidity sucks out here in the Midwest. (laughs) Probably got nothing on on what our friends uh, Rendax and Brent Allen have to put up with uh, down in Florida because they live in a swamp, Literally. But, uh, you know, it, uh, well, I'm not down there. I'm up here in the Midwest and humidity is a bitch up here. So anyway, that is going to do it for part one. We'll be coming back on Monday. We'll be coming back Monday with the 49ers, uh, from the better rivals podcast, Oscar Aparicio will be our guest. Uh, I'm talking to him on Saturday, going to let this Cardinals episode breathe a little bit put it out sunday maybe sunday most likely monday and then uh we're talking to the uh seahawks on tuesday and then on thursday we wrap the nfc west up with the la rams spike friedman from the locked on seahawks podcast will be with us on tuesday and then thursday we'll have brad Mater from the locked on rams podcast and we have got to have We're going to have an interesting conversation with Brad because he told me in our email correspondence when I was setting up his appearance on the show, he's from Chicago. So what the hell, man? Seriously from Chicago. And I quote, still an avid Cub fan, an avid Cubs fan, but repping the Rams, not the bears. I don't know, man. I just, I don't know that conversation could turn ugly. You want to tune in for that one for sure next Thursday. So probably be out Friday or something like that, but uh, definitely not going to want to miss that one. We're going to have a conversation with that dude, a Chicago native repping the Rams. No, no, we're going to have to fix that. So we're going to bring him back to the, he's on the dark side. Now we'll bring him back to the, to the light, bring him back to the force. And, uh, you know, we'll get that all straightened out. So anyway, that's what we have to look forward to. Uh, Oscar Aparicio over the weekend so it'll probably be out Sunday or Monday then we Spike Freeman with this, uh, the Seattle Seahawks and then Brad Mader, the traitor, with the LA Rams to close up the NFC West then it's Evan Western Chris Gates, Jeremy Reisman for our NFC North preview and then probably have Lauren Cox back to talk about the Bears, wrap this thing up and get ready for the preseason, I'm, I can't wait, I cannot wait, so That's how it's all going to be laid out. We'll be back over the weekend to continue the NFC West preview. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.